0: a little work, but I don't think it's gonna last long at this price. There's a pool. Always wanted a pool. Is this everything? We'll grow into it. Y'all ready? Marco. Hello. Marco Hello
1: <laughs> Marco I I hear
0: you You need to say something back You're dead. Marco. everybody and welcome to the latest episode of Fresh Cut. It is episode number one of 2024 and we are kicking it off with a theatrical release. But before that, let me introduce my co-host in case you're a new listener and not familiar with the show. So, Mr. Venom, how's it going?
2: Greetings and salutations, pool owners. Yeah, I'm doing pretty well. It's, it's nice to start 2024, not sick. Um, and I actually have some employment prospects uh, lined up, so it's it's looking pretty good for for uh, for 2024 start.
0: Cool, yeah. Um, I I did see a list of like movies coming out this year, and I'm hopeful because obviously those even those lists don't even cover everything. But I I did like potentially what I saw and some trailers I've seen. So uh, let me also introduce our other co-host, Don and Nelly. What's up, Don?
1: Yeah, what's going on? I'm always happy to be here.
0: All right. So once again, for any new listeners, uh Fresh Cuts, we cover new new releases, mm-hmm. as new as possible, uh when we can. And usually what that means is when there's a theatrical release, we will tend to cover that unless, you know, for some reason we're unable to logistics wise. But uh this year we were Well, I don't know if we're going to say blessed, because that will determine what we think of the movie, but we were given a theatrical release right off the bat in 2024, and that would be Night Swim. And, uh, yeah, so we all saw that this past week, uh, PG-13, hour 38 minutes, blah, 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 blah. Let's get the uh, synopsis off IMDb. (laughs) <laughs> Very bare bones, but I guess that could be appropriate. A woman swimming in her pool at night is terrorized by an evil spirit. Okay.
2: Um, that's weird. That's, that that I guess sounds that's a like, good, like,
0: table set,
2: but... <laughs> that sounds like the exact description of the short, not the movie. It almost feels I like they was just
1: thinking, took the, I was thinking the right? same thing, yeah. It, 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 that's the short, because I've yeah. I seen that before. I, I've seen the short before in yeah. various other um, festival um, program packages and stuff so yeah that is exactly what the short is exactly I, it's been a while i think it's uh, i'm not going to spoil it but i think it's the opening right or is that is, is that one of this the, the cold open or oh, is well,
2: the, the cold open for the movie doesn't really have i mean i guess it's kind of a version of the short film yeah because the that's short what film I was think- it's an adult yeah, woman
0: yeah
1: well, that's what I was thinking yeah, because I, I know that they switched it. Which I mean, yeah, we we can explain that. But I I always remember the the cold open being almost exactly similar to the short, you know, except oh, well. for yeah, yeah, they switched it. But yeah, yeah, that that doesn't really explain much because yeah, that's the short, not the feature film.
2: Yeah. I'm telling you, I think IMDb just grabbed the synopsis <laughs> off the short and threw it on here. <laughs> Probably, I wouldn't yeah. be shocked.
0: Um, All right. So, uh, once again, for any new listeners, we usually open the show with our general thoughts on the movie. It can range. Sometimes it's longer, sometimes it's shorter, just depending on what we have to say about the movie. Uh, That way it gives everyone a chance to listen and get kind of our opinion on it without any spoilers for the sake of people who haven't yet seen the movie. And then we will give an official spoiler warning before we get into any type of walkthrough, spoiler talk, all that kind of stuff. So we will kick it off now with our general thoughts on Night Swim, starting with Venom. What did you think of Night Swim?
2: Well, apologies to Wyatt Russell and Carrie Condon, who I am usually a big fan of. I like uh, a lot of the work that they've both done. Obviously, I'm watching Wyatt Russell right now with his dad on the Monarch TV series. I haven't quite finished it yet. I think all the episodes are out yet now, but... Um, so yeah, I don't know. I, I kind of was expecting a little bit more, but I, I think the best one sentence review I can give this movie is this film is dreadfully boring. This has to be one of the most dull experiences I've had in the theater since Skinnamarink and even Skinnamarink at least attempts to like build tension so, you know, I'll give it, you know, I, I famously hated Skinner one of my least favorite movies of last year, but I'll still give it credit for what it attempted to do. This movie was just dreadfully boring. Um, very few horror set pieces, few and far between. When they actually do happen, uh, they're kind of derivative, they, they're almost exactly what you expect. The story is, you know, even though I've never really heard of too many movies about a haunted pool this still doesn't feel very original, you know? I mean, you could replace the pool with a hot tub or or with a haunted item in someone's house, and ultimately it's a movie that we've seen countless times before and done head and shoulders better than this one. I'm not going to say this is a bad movie necessarily. I mean, it's well-made. It looks nice. It's edited well. It's just a very, very dull story, uh, given to us in a very dull presentation, uh, the antagonist who we never even really find out—we we find out a little bit about the history of the pool, but as far as like a true antagonist, uh, there really isn't one. It's you know just kind of the evil surrounding this pool. And I've said it before, I, I have, I always, I've always had a problem with horror movies that don't have a physical antagonist. Movies like Cabin Fever, you know, they they may be great movies to some people, but for me, they just don't often work. And in this case, this is a perfect example. I'll watch Cabin Fever a thousand times before I watch Night Swim again. This movie, like I said, dreadfully dull, very boring and derivative. Nothing original or all that exciting. Um, I just remember sitting in the theater, constantly looking at my cell phone and being surprised. That more time hadn't gone by. This is a movie that's just over 90 minutes, and it feels like it's two and a half hours long. Like, by the time the movie was over and I looked at my clock and only 90 minutes had gone by, I'm like, are you fucking kidding me? It feels like I've been sitting in this theater for almost three hours. And, no, it's just dull. (laughs) I, I, I just don't know how else to put it. Um, I can't really praise any performances, not to say that any of them are bad. I will say I hated the real estate agent, the real estate agent who is supposed to be comic relief in this movie. Once again, the comic relief just falls flat. I fucking hated her, her lack of knowledge about this house. And then once she did acquire some knowledge about the house, the fact that she doesn't share it with the new homeowners, it just seems really irresponsible. There's holes all over this plot. Like, Literally, as I'm driving home from the movie, I'm like, well, what about this? Well, wait wait a minute. They established that this is a rule, but then what about this? And it's like they broke their own rules so many times in the movie that the rules are pointless. You might as well just throw them out the fucking window. And then we get uh, an ending that's supposed to be a heartwarming, I, I guess, some sort of heartwarming redemption ending. But I just, I rolled my eyes through the entire ending. I'm like, this is fucking stupid. And then, and like I said, just walking out of the theater, I'm counting on all my fingers and toes all the plot holes that this movie has, and it's like, who thought this was a good movie? Like Wyatt Russell really should have had his father read this script because at least Kurt knows um, a, a movie that's so bad is good. That it's good is still worth doing. This movie is just bad. Uh, it's boring. It's dull. Like I said, it's not egregious in its in its badness. I, it's not poorly shot, poorly edited, poorly directed. It's just boring storytelling, boring people around a boring antagonist. It just I, I was thoroughly, thoroughly bored. I mean, yeah, it sucks to say that this is the first movie in 2024 because at least last year. Uh, In the first week of the year, we got Megan, which I wasn't necessarily ultra high on, but I did at least find some enjoyment out of it. It was somewhat of a fun horror film. There is nothing fun about this movie. There is nothing funny about this movie. There is nothing scary about this movie. And when you take away all of that, what is left? You know, unless you're going to throw a bunch of gratuitous nudity or, or, you know, ultra gory kills, then okay, but... We get none of that. This is a PG-13 movie, and it is PG-13 in every sense of the word. So, yeah, uh, unfortunately, I'm going to have to give this one a negative review. Just nothing that I can recommend. I would say watch the short. Literally, um, the Night Swim short, I think it came out in the 20-teens sometime, Uh, possibly the early 2020s. I don't remember the exact year it came out. But it's only four minutes long, and it's endlessly better than what we get in this movie. Um, it sure, obviously we don't, you know, know, in a four minute horror short, you're not going to get a lot of backstory or explanation or, or even, you know, um, resolutions. It's really just going to be a quick set piece, but at least that was, you know, had me a little on edge, like nothing about this, the, the full movie had me on edge, had me worrying about any characters. I just... Yeah. The sense of urgency wasn't there. And, you know, it's about the best I can give this movie is that it's it's not ultimately it's not a bad movie. It's just dreadfully boring. So I would say this movie is really only going to work for younger horror audiences and even the younger ones. Like I watched this just last night. I I didn't watch it opening weekend because I had a bunch of other stuff going on. I was still doing rewatches for the top 10 of 2023. So I finally got a chance to watch it last night. And, dude, it was like I was in a comedy. Like, all the kids in the theater were laughing at inappropriate times. I'm just like, what is funny about this movie? Other than it's so bad and boring, what exactly is funny? And I don't know. I I almost wish that I was an ignorant kid, too, so that I could have found some enjoyment out of this movie. Because ultimately, as it stands, I got zero enjoyment out of this movie. I can't recommend it to anybody Unless you're like 13, 14, 15 years old and you just started watching horror, maybe you'll get some enjoyment out of this. But, I mean, if you're even a five-plus-year horror fan, I just don't think there's much of anything here. Yeah, I can't even lean on Wyatt Russell and Carrie Condon's performances as because, as I said, they don't have much to work with in this movie. This is just a dull script, a dull um, screenplay, a dull story. And unfortunately, you know, having a couple of big name stars or at least high quality acting stars just really didn't help this movie out for me. So I'm just going to say I can't recommend this. I did not enjoy it. And, man, I hope this is not a sign of things to come for 2024. So that's it for general thoughts.
0: All right. Let's uh, throw it on over to Don. What was your uh, general thoughts on Night Swim?
1: I'm pretty much right there in locks uh lockstep with Venom. Um I couldn't really get into this one at all. I I do think that there are some good elements here. I, I do like the way that it's it at least attempts to present the pool as something ominous and um dark. Uh you know, some of the you know overhead shots showing you know like people swimming over the swimming through the area and it you get the sense that it may be, like, building up to something or, like, you know, presenting the idea that there's this ominous force in the area that that does establish some sense of tension. Um, I mean, not much, but, you know, it's something. Um, The use of my third favorite Judas Priest song is
2: another
1: another positive highlight in there. So, uh, you know, again, kudos to that, but... I, I I can't really say that those are you know like overwhelmingly enjoyable positives like those are just small little nit you know nitpicks here and there just to try to like you know salvage something just because there is just nothing here. Um, I couldn't give a rat's ass about the family. I I don't care about you know. Well, I, I don't even remember his name. Uh, I, I I don't even care about Wyatt's Wyatt's history. <laughs> I don't care about his injury. Um, you know, he just goes into normal dad, dis- dad displays weird behavior, but nobody thinks it's off-putting or weird. Um, you know, it, the same kind of thing that you see in every single one of these movies. I, I mean, it, nothing here is, is original or creative or unique. It's, you know, all been done before. It just drags on and on and on. There's... Very few genuine attack scenes. Um, You know, again, they're nothing special. They're nothing all that great. It's something, but uh, I mean, there has to be something better than just, well, okay, but if you really wanted to, you know, say that there are good things here, you have this and this. I I don't know. I, I, I would prefer to not have to do that for a film to justify its uh, existence so yeah the, the this should have been something that you know stayed in development hell or stayed on the shelf and quietly shuffled off on a streaming service in the middle of nowhere when nobody was really paying much attention to it because i don't think that there's going to be much of an audience for this one um i, I mean you know who's really going to like this there's Nothing scary here for kids. There's nothing here for adults. I I I don't know who this is really for. And yeah, there's there's not much else I can say about it. I'm, I I I can't really say that there's much of anything to you know celebrate with this one. So yeah, I I don't think that there's much else for me to say. Just it was boring. It was dull. And. Yeah, you you snuck in one of my favorite Judas Priest songs, but I mean, there's got to be better movies out there that use you, "You've Got Another Thing Coming" that I can enjoy
2: more than this one. So. <laughs> yeah. The song felt so out of place too. Like when it exactly, started playing, yeah. I'm like, "What?"
1: <laughs> so sad. Yeah, it took it took me a while to realize it because it's like you know, happy fun times, you know, with the kids, and you know, he's diving in and showing them around in the pool, and you know, you got another thing coming. Starts so playing. It. It's like what like did somebody leave the radio on in the car or something (laughs) yeah it's like so weird that that you know it's happy fun times with the family and you know you've got this driving heavy metal song in the background and it's like what the hell but i mean you know yeah you, you put one of the better ones in there but i mean that's not really worth of worth saving the film for so yeah uh not not for me um I, I, there's just not much to say about this one. So, yeah, back to you, Mike.
0: Yeah, um, I'm glad you guys mentioned the short because I actually have not seen the short, but it makes sense that it's based off a of short because I feel like with how um, how lack of a story there is and where it feels like they kind of ran out of, like, any idea of what to actually do with, like, the pool beyond like the initial kind of like oh scary night swim in the pool it feels like something that could work as like you know a five-ish minute short where you don't have to get into backstory Mm -hmm. you don't have to get into like lots of characters and building a a more rich story you can just say here's a scary pool and here's your five minutes with a scary pool like in that sense it could work okay yeah so i uh,
1: yeah I, i just looked it up it's five minutes from 2014
2: yeah, exactly. Like that. It's four minutes. That, that makes sense. <laughs> I, I just watched it again right before we came on. It's it, yeah, it, 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 just over three minutes without credits. Yeah, so it, it must be. It,
0: a, it would be nice. It would be nice if like some of the writers of these shorts, instead of like studios buying the rights to adapt a full length like feature of that specific short or story, they just go to those people and say, "Hey, is there another story that you have in mind that we can try to develop into a." Full length feature because some of the like this reminds me of I think it was a couple of years ago 2021 uh, you remember the movie Piggy I think it was a uh, yep. I love Piggy Mex- movie out of Mexico or um I thought the Piggy short was like better than the full length movie and I didn't really dislike the movie either I thought the movie was okay like it was pretty good but like the short was just so good and it it, it ended I mean the full-length movie was kind of like they used pretty much what the opening of the short was and then just built from there. But, um, yeah, sometimes these shorts, they're just they are good, effective shorts and they just need to remain as that. They don't need a full-length feature. But anyways, yeah, so (laughs) I would say this movie it takes what's like, it's an interesting idea. I wouldn't even say good, but it's at least interesting, but they just don't they can't figure out like what to do with it and it becomes apparent like the longer the movie goes it's like they're kind of running out of steam and then it feels like okay well since there's nothing else to really do with the pool itself we gotta like turn it into like now it's a possession movie kind of um there's not (laughs) once we get into like the history kind of it it doesn't make sense based on, like, different characters that have been affected by the pool and why some are like this, some are acting this way. There's no, like, rhyme or reason to... Like, it, I don't know. It just gets kind of convoluted. You, like Venom said, you kind of leave asking more questions that were answered. And then and then the other problem is, like, I think it was already mentioned, too, I think by Venom as well, that even for a PG-13 movie, this is terribly tame. Like, you know, we... We all, you know, we all have the R-rated versus PG-13 horror discussions, but even, we've seen plenty of PG-13 movies that at least try to push, you know, the rating a little bit. This one does nothing of the sort, other than the fact that it's a horror movie. There, there's nothing really in it I, that you would even, you know, challenge a viewer of that age, I don't think. Um man yeah i I don't know i feel like this at least should have been sub 90 minutes because they they didn't have uh much to work with it the the family yeah not no one's really that interesting there's nothing that really stands out like benham said no antagonist um the the conclusion is kind of like a head scratcher um And yeah, I don't have much else to add, because I think you guys, uh, it sounds like we're all on the same page to start out the year, Uh, so uh, otherwise I'd be repeating a lot of what you guys have already said, but this, I mean, this is probably like skippable, unless you're like someone like us that just sees everything, um, partially because we cover it on the show or just because you're interested in seeing every single (laughs) release you can. I don't see much reason to like run out to the theater at all to see, to see this. Uh yeah, 2024 not so hot to begin with, but um it's only what week 2 <laughs> so but uh, I'll leave my general thoughts there for the moment. So, uh what else, Phantom? <laughs>
2: I mean, there's a couple of positive things that I can say about the movie, other than the stuff that I've already said. Um, This wasn't nearly the jump scare factory that I thought it was going to be, and hell, maybe the movie might have been a little bit better if they threw a few more jump scares in there. I mean, yes, there are some in there. Sadly, the best jump scare in the movie is ruined by the trailer, so I'm very glad I don't watch trailers anymore, because yeah, the basically ruins the Marco Polo scene if you watch the trailer, which is probably one of the better scenes in the film. Um, Another thing that I like that they did is that they didn't give us the kind of stereotypical um, horror family moving into a new home. Most recently we talked about this when we reviewed uh, There's Something in the Barn where I talked about it's a formula that we've gotten before, new family moving to a new area or a new house, um, and the kids. And it's almost always an older daughter and younger son. I don't know wh- why that's the formula, but it seems like that tends to be the formula more often than not. And usually the older daughter is angsty and bitchy and treats everyone like shit, and the younger kid is just kind of a dumbass who, you know, Gets himself in a lot of trouble for no reason. I will say that this movie did subvert that. I didn't hate this family as much as I've hated other families um, in this situation, you know, moving into a new home, blah, blah, blah. Um, I thought the family dynamic was very, very realistic. I mean, early on in the movie, and this isn't a spoiler because I think uh, this happens in the trailer where the, the family pet disappears. And, um, there's one line by mom where she tells her older daughter, be nice to him. He's, you know, he's kind of fragile right now. And I feel like that's a very realistic thing for a mom to do. She knows that her, that her children are kind of antagonistic towards each other generally. And, you know, the, the, uh, the pet, the family pet that disappeared, it seems like it mostly belonged to the young son. So I thought that was kind of a nice thing that, you know, the, the daughter doesn't necessarily, but, um, what do you call it, you know, um, pile on on her younger brother that she obviously doesn't like too much. So a lot of the stuff with the family dynamic was subverted. A lot of those kind of expectations are horror tropes, and I'll give the movie credit for that, like I said. Um, there's not really a whole lot I can really give this movie credit for, though. Um, I, man, they, they try to say that our main character, uh, Ray Waller, is a former major leaguer, But they only really do that with a couple of, like, flashback sequences of him hitting a home run in the majors. And it's like it doesn't really instill what his major league career meant to him, you know. It's almost like it's passe because he's already out of the majors, you know, when the movie starts. He's dealing with uh, some kind of physical uh, ailment he had an injury came back from the injury but then now he's dealing with this new physical ailment that I guess, that I guess attacks his muscles i don't remember if they actually tell us what it was in the movie there's a couple of scenes at a hospital you know with a doctor's appointment but i don't think they ever specifically name the condition that he has but it's it's something that it's it's attacking his muscles cuz we see him walking around the movie with a cane through a lot of the film but, man, like I said, it's like for for everything, that the, for every one thing this movie did right, they did about 12 things wrong. And unfortunately, that's a ratio that I can't abide by. Um, I, I need a lot more positivity with my films, or should I say a lot more positive aspects than negative aspects. And this movie, like I said, it's boring. It's derivative. Um, the ending is just so expected and stupid when you, you know, when you find out the rules of the pool, the ending almost doesn't fucking make sense. And other elements of this movie don't make sense too, which we'll kind of get into. I'm not going to get into all of them because that's more uh, airtime than this movie really deserves. But, um... I'll get into some of my grapes, obviously, as we go through our what will probably be a fairly quick walkthrough. I mean, it's a haunted pool. You know, how much uh, um, how much originality can you really find around that? You know, so um, I don't know. Like I said, there's not really much else that I can say that is spoiler free. I don't know if you guys have anything else you want to get into before we get into this walkthrough. But, yeah, I think I'm pretty much done.
1: Yeah, I'm trying to think of something, and most of everything I can think of has already been mentioned.
2: One thing Um, I will say is that I I, I don't even think the short is that great. Like, the short – like, I'm wondering who watched this short and thought, hey, let's make a movie out of this. Well, obviously Jason Blum or James Wan and – Man, James Wan is attached as a producer on this movie. This movie feels nothing like a James Wan movie. I mean fucking nothing like a James Wan movie. Uh, When I heard his name attached to it, for some reason, I thought he was back in the director's chair, so I was mildly excited. But obviously, once you watch the opening credits, you realize he is not the director or, you know, if you do any research before you go into the movie. Um, so that's disappointing, and the fact that he's a producer, I mean, I don't know, if for folks who don't know, producers are really just money people. They're just providing money to the production. They're not, you know, doing script changes. They're not messing with the story or messing with the director's uh, directions towards his actors. Producers are literally money people. So when you see James Wan's name on it, don't get excited that it's going to be the second coming of Saw, you know, um, it, I kind of fell into that trap when Guillermo del Toro started, quote, unquote, producing films. And then I real and then I'd watch them and be like, that was a Guillermo movie. And then realize later on, oh, he didn't direct it; He produced it. So I'm not going to get excited anymore when I hear big name people attached as a producer, because it fucking means nothing. Um, I don't know. Yeah, I guess if that's it. This will be your final spoiler warning uh, for uh, new listeners to the show. After we go over our general thoughts, I will give a final spoiler warning. And at this point in the film, now we're going to go through a quick walkthrough of the film, go over some of the major plot points and discuss them. So if you haven't seen Night Swim yet, and by some freak of nature, you're still interested in seeing it after our general thoughts, go ahead and pause the podcast now, go check out the movie, and then come back and see if you agree with our thoughts after we get through uh, the spoiler section. Um, If you either have already seen it or don't care to, go ahead and stick around with us. So here we go, Night Swim 2023. We open um, at a pool, duh, it's nighttime. And uh, basically the pool is very still and quiet. It's Like I said, it's nighttime, no one's out there, everybody's in the house. And then we see a toy boat just kind of appear in the pool, um, a, a fairly loud toy boat. Like it's got, it's got a noise mechanism, almost like it's an old timey steam engine or something. So, it, you know, it, if you're in the house, you can hear the toy running in the pool. Uh, we the camera then takes us inside the house and we see a little Asian girl who we find out her name later is Rebecca Summers. She sees the toy in the pool and realizes that it's her brother's missing toy. She goes into her brother's room. This is where we find out that the brother is on an oxygen machine. He obviously has some kind of ailment that's keeping him bedridden. And she tells him, I found your missing boat. I'm going to go get it and come right back. Of course, she goes outside, grabs the pool skimmer to try to get the boat out of the pool. By the time she gets out to the pool, the toy boat is at the bottom of the pool instead of floating on top like it was earlier. She tries to use the skimmer to get the toy out, of course, eventually, and some kind of invisible force pulls on the skimmer and pulls the little girl into the water. She starts freaking out, thinking that somebody's in the pool and that, that, that they pulled her in, but then it is a it is a lit pool. If you've seen the trailer, you know it's a very well-lit pool, so it can you can see under the water at night. She sees that there's nobody down there, so she decides to go ahead and try to get the boat. Suddenly the toy boat resurfaces on its own and starts to slowly, um, you know, kind of traverse itself away from Rebecca. She tries to reach for it and eventually gets pulled underwater. The lights inside the pool go off for a minute and or for a few seconds. Then when they come back up, uh, nothing in the pool. Uh, other than the toy boat. The toy boat is still in there, and that is the end of our cold open. We get to our credits, uh, opening credits sequence. Cold open, not ultra great. I mean, it's not like there was any major jump scares or anything in there. We don't get to see an antagonist of any kind or any kind of spirit or anything. She just kind of gets pulled under the water and disappears, and that's it. So after this, uh, after the opening credits, we are introduced to the Waller family, Um, It is Ray Waller, the dad, played by uh, Kurt Russell's son, Wyatt Russell, Uh, the mom, Eve Waller, played by Carrie Condon, and then um, older daughter, Izzy, and younger son, Elliot. We see that they're in the process of looking for a new home. We see Wyatt walking around on a cane, so obviously he's looking for a house that has like accessibility features, you know, so that he can get around the house. And if there isn't upstairs that he can get up there easily, things like that. Eventually, um, Wyatt decides that the house is too much like a hospital because of all the modern technology and amenities that the house offers. That it, he, he says that it would feel too much like living in a hospital. So they continue their search. One day, as they're driving through a neighborhood, they go buy a big house, a big, beautiful house that's for sale. Uh, they ask their real estate agent about it. They get a tour, and we go into the backyard, and we see that the pool is covered and just a wreck. It looks like the house has been abandoned for a, Maybe not abandoned, but the previous family moved out. I think it was something like 10 to 15 years ago, if I remember correctly. So the house was empty for a while, and... So the uh, the Waller family does eventually. Oh oh, I'm sorry, I skipped a scene. Um, after looking at the house the first time, Wyatt goes to uh, another one of his medical appointments, and there the doctor tells him that he needs to get more exercise. He needs to run. He needs to, you know, do cardio, and that swimming is actually great exercise for his ailment, for his you know what, whatever condition it is that he's dealing with. That swimming is great. And as soon as the doctor says that. Ray looks at his wife, they look at each other, and they have that moment of realization of, "Oh, let's go let's just get that house with the pool," which is exactly what they do. They end up getting the pool. Um I forgot to mention Ray Waller is a former major league baseball player. I mentioned it um, earlier during the non spoiler section. Um, they don't really imply that he was like an all star or a future hall of famer or or a journeyman. you know, they just just imply that, okay, he was a baseball player. This is part of what I was saying earlier that I wish the movie kind of leaned into that more so that we would care that he is now this injured person who has lost his Major League Baseball career. But ultimately, the movie doesn't give us a chance to care. So, like I said, after they buy the house, um, Ray starts doing, you know, they fix up the pool and then he starts doing the exercises just like, you know, he uh, like just like his doctor told him. He's swimming in the pool, he's running every day, and suddenly it turns out that he's getting better, like miraculously. Like the doctor is shocked, like how are you possibly getting, uh, you know, better? As it turns out, the pool that they have in their backyard is one of the few pools in the neighborhood that still uses natural spring water. So they're they're actually getting the water from a well underneath their property. So supposedly, you know, the natural spring water has healing properties and the, the natural filtration and all that. So they assume that that's why he's getting better. Now, at the same time, um our our son character Elliot has a little interaction with the pool. He ends up going swimming by himself in the pool, and his family plays this game where they have a jar of quarters. And the parents will throw quarters into the pool and have their kids swim down to the bottom and see who collects up the most. You know, kind of a silly little game that they play. So when the kid, when Elliot's in the pool by himself, he dives down under into the pool and suddenly he starts seeing quarters getting thrown into the pool. So he's thinking, oh, my dad must be up there playing with me. So he surfaces and then realizes there's no one there. Um this is something that happens throughout this movie where someone will be in the pool, submerged in the pool under the water, and they'll look up out of the water and they'll see a family member or, you know, basically an image that they recognize. But then when they come out of the water, there's nothing there. So you know, I'm not sure what the spirit of this pool is doing, why they think that's
0: um, helping
2: in any way other than creating tension to their victim. It's it's pointless, you know, it doesn't even really come off as a jump scare, just kind of a weird thing. Um so let's see. So finally, um after collecting up quarters in the pool and seeing that there's no one around the pool, after a while Elliot starts to hear a voice coming from a filter in the pool, one of those runoff um drains. He swims up to it, and he and we hear the voice of a little girl, a very familiar little girl from a certain cold open. She introduces herself as Rebecca Summers and says that she's trapped in the pool and that she needs help. Um, and at uh, at that point, Elliot is about to leave to go get something, you know, to go get help for this girl that he thinks is stuck in the pool. Um, and she gives him back an action figure that he had been playing with earlier. But, of course, you know, the whole Pennywise thing, as soon as he reaches in to go get the action figure, a black, gnarled hand reaches out and grabs him. He's able to free himself, and then he looks, you know, from a distance he looks into the drain, and he sees a black shadow staring back at him. So this is where the family, or at least the kids, start to understand that there's something going on here. That evening... Izzy ends up inviting a boy over who has the coolest fucking name in the world. This kid's name is Ronin. How great is that? Anybody who knows Japanese mythology, you, you you know what a Ronin is and goddamn, that is an awesome ass name. But anyway, this kid Ronin who, um, Izzy just met at school. Don't forget. They just moved into this house and into this neighborhood. So, you know, the school is new. The neighborhood is new. Everything. Um, Ronan invites her to try out for the swim team. So in turn, Izzy invites him over to kind of help her with, you know, her swimming strokes or whatever. As it turns out, she actually likes the guy and, you know, is kind of hoping that something might happen. And then that's when we get the Marco Polo scene that we all saw in the trailer. Uh, I'm not even going to go over that scene too much. Hell, if you haven't seen the trailer, you should know how a Marco Polo scene in a horror movie is going to end up. It's just going to end with a jump scare of some spirit saying Polo, which is exactly what fucking happens here. We see the the same black image that Elliot saw in the runoff drain earlier, standing behind her saying Polo and then dragging her down to the pool. She eventually is able to get out of the pool safely, and, you know, she... uh, at first she accuses Ronan of screwing with her but it turns out he wasn't even in the pool he had left uh, almost like a prank of his own but then you know everything the the horror set piece happens so so now both kids have been exposed to what this pool uh can do Uh like I said earlier Ben or um, Ray Ray Waller's injuries have gotten a lot better his doctors don't know what is going on And then they decide to have a pool party, almost like a welcome to the neighborhood party where they invite all their neighbors to their house to swim in the pool and kind of meet, you know, them being the new family in the neighborhood. During the pool party, Wyatt is there with um, one of the kids that he coaches at the baseball uh, at the school's baseball team. Um, I, I forgot to mention that Ray is kind of assistant coaching a baseball team, you know, while he's uh, performing his rehab. So basically there's this big Vin Diesel looking guy, this bald buff dude who's playing chicken in the pool, um, you know, when somebody jumps on your shoulders and basically two sets of people just try to tip over the person up on the shoulders. I think chicken's the name of it anyway. It might have another name that I don't know about, but I always called it chicken. Um So he decides to tell this kid on his baseball team, Ty, jump on my shoulders and we're going to show this guy a thing or two. I forget the name that he calls him. Oh, Steroid Shrek, I think he calls him, which is actually kind of probably the funniest thing in the whole damn movie. Um, And, of course, that doesn't get a reaction from the underage crowd at the theater. But shit that isn't supposed to be funny, they're laughing at. So go figure. So what ends up happening is Ray and Ty end up winning their match of chicken. But Ray, instead of Ray releasing Ty from his shoulders, he actually grabs his legs hard and pins him to his shoulders. And then Ray basically just starts walking backwards into the deep end of the pool until eventually Ty is completely submerged under the water. You can't see anything of Ty other than his hand sticking out of the water. And mind you, the pool is full. There's people all over. The only reason that anybody realizes that Ty is in danger is because earlier in the day, Elliot, who's already suspicious of the pool, had a camera pointed at the pool that he went up and investigated and realized that, oh, shit, Ty or Tay, I forget specifically what his name, I think it was Ty, you know, he's submerged underwater and he can't get out. And basically, finally, um, some adults jump into the pool. They're, they're able to get Ty out of the water. Um, they're able to get Ray out of the water because he's the bigger concern because he's been under the water longer than Ty has. Um, they actually have to give him um, a little bit of CPR to get him to wake up. He does eventually wake up claiming he doesn't know what happened. Um, but, And obviously, as a viewer of the movie, you're not 100 percent sure what's going on. Like, it, it almost seems like it's implying that Ray has now been possessed by some entity um, surrounding the pool or around, you know, um, the, the force that is driving the pool to do what it does. And I guess he was trying to kill Ty. We don't really know why yet. We will get an explanation in a little bit, though. So then all, you know, everybody leaves the pool. Um, the coach tells – the main coach of the baseball team tells Ray, you know, I, I think it would be better if you don't coach the team anymore and if your son, you know, just kind of stays off the team and stays away, blah, blah, blah. And at this point, you know, like the entire neighborhood just hates these people. Now, there is one thing I forgot to mention. During the pool party, um, the real estate agent is there. And this is when uh, – at this point – um. Mom has also had an encounter with the pool. Hers was a lot more simple. Basically, she was swimming, and she looked up out of the water and thought she saw Ray standing on the edge of the pool, but it turns out he wasn't there. He was up in bed sleeping. So at this point, everybody but Ray is suspicious of the pool. So she started, She asks uh, the real estate agent, are you sure there's nothing that you didn't tell me about this house or the pool specifically? And this is when finally the real estate agent admits to her, which is very fucking irresponsible. I'm pretty sure they could have sued this real estate agent because I'm pretty sure it's like a state law in almost every state that a realtor has to tell you if a crime was committed in a house that you're about to buy, especially a missing child, a drowning, a murder, a break-in, things like that. So she, uh, the real estate agent, finally admits to um, Eve that Yes, it turns out that the last family that lived here did have a tragedy. Uh, They had a young daughter who drowned in the pool. Um, She doesn't say anything about the girl going missing or anything like that. She just says that a girl drowned in the pool. Eve asks her, is her name Rebecca Summers? And the real estate agent instantly is like, how did you know that? And she's like, well what happened do you know any more and she's like well no not really I, I know the family ended up um staying at the house after the tragedy but then ended up moving away uh, a little bit later and no one ever really heard from them but she does the real estate agent does say but i think they're still in town so of course cue the scene where is, eve is it, finds is is this
0: the real estate is this the real estate agent that cannot be fired cuz
2: apparently she've been
0: fired a few times
2: Oh, yeah, this is so irresponsible this woman. And then she claims that she, the, the real estate agent claims that she didn't know this information when she sold them the house. She's saying that, oh, I found out about this stuff after you had already closed on the house. And by that point, I didn't want to ruin your, you know, moving in and, you know, the, the high from that. And it's like, nope, nope, that's still irresponsible. It's still the law. You got to tell them. So, uh, so, yeah, home buyers always remember to ask your real estate agent if any crimes took place in that house, because by law, they have to tell you. So anyway, at this point, Eve finds out um, that the mother of the family from the cold open does still live in town. She ends up finding, uh, finding the, uh, the woman's address and going to visit her. And you know, it it is an Asian woman as uh, Rebecca Summers, you know, in the cold open was an Asian girl Um, she's a little bit older. She's on an oxygen tank now. Um, but she does invite the woman in to talk to her. And at first the woman claims she doesn't have a daughter. She says that she has a son who is Oh, and by the way, the son who in the cold open was sick and bedridden is now like, uh, I forget exactly what it, what it is that he did. He was some kind of um, diplomat or something. Like, he was doing really important work. I think she mentions Rwanda or, or the Sudan or, you know, some African nation in the movie where he is, you know, doing a lot of good, blah, blah, blah. So, so yeah, it, it kind of gets you thinking this little kid that was bedridden at the beginning is now a success and completely physically and mentally normal, um, you know, by society's standpoint. So, hmm, what's going on there? So, throughout the course of the conversation, um, Eve tries to ask her about her daughter, but the first couple of times that she asks, she's like, oh, no, I just have my son. It's just my son. And then every picture in the house is just the mother and the son. There are no pictures of Rebecca anywhere in the house. Finally, um, Eve kind of pushes the point, and finally, uh, the woman who's named Kay, by the way, she finally admits that, okay... Yes, I had a daughter, but I made a sacrifice to save my son. And it's like, what? What the hell? What are you talking about? And this is where we get the reveal. This is the scene I've been waiting for, for the whole damn movie to get the reveal or explanation of what this pool is, and I was so disappointed that I just didn't care about the rest of the movie after this. Basically, it turns out that before there was a house on that property and before there was a pool there, there was a pond and that apparently the pond was a sort of wishing well. Um, And, you know, you guys know that a wishing well is basically, you know, one of those just like fountains where you throw in some change, you know, a penny, a quarter, whatever, and you make a wish. You know, it's a novelty. No one ever expects those wishes to come true. But anyway, this pond uh, out in the middle of the forest at the time, because there was no developments yet, Uh, basically grants wishes, but since people don't throw money into the pond, they don't know that it's a wishing well, the well extracts its own cost. So basically anybody that the pond or well, if you will, grants someone a wish, it demands a cost for that wish, and it's usually a loved one. It's usually a family member or something. Um, at one point in the movie, Eve does some research and finds out that there are dozens of people that have either died or disappeared while living in this house. This is why she's able to get her real estate agent to kind of admit what she didn't tell her because she did her own research and found all these names of different people that died in the house, blah, blah, blah. So, yeah, that's our fucking reveal. It's a haunted wishing well. Are you fucking kidding me? <laughs> that's what yeah, I've been waiting for <laughs>
0: How's this haunted wishing well communicating this to people like it just they just know
2: that's what I mean I mean you know <laughs> so, um I, I think at one point while Kay is telling the backstory, she says something along the lines of once people realized what the pond was, they continued using it, and you know people kept dying and disappearing, you know in the general area of the pond, blah blah blah, they talk about um. And and while Eve is doing her research about the house and all the people that have disappeared, we're seeing pictures of the people. And unfortunately, it is important that we remember their faces for a scene later in the movie. And it turns out that, like, six nurses were among the people that went missing in this pond. So apparently there was some kind of medical facility or something around there at one point where all these nurses ended up disappearing in the pond. So... As it turns out, at one point in the movie, Ray, kind of in a throwaway line, just kind of says, I wish I could beat this so I could get back to my career. And he just happens to be near the pool when he says it. So the pool is granting him his wish. He's now healthier. He's not walking around with a cane anymore at one point, he's at baseball practice, and he, he hits a baseball so hard, the fucking leather peels off of it partially. Like, the stitches break, and part of the leather peels off of it. I couldn't get over it. Um, so, yeah. And now the pool wants its payment. It wants its cost. So, obviously, it's trying to get anybody else in the family, either of the kids or the mom. And then that also explains the scene with Ty at the pool party. Um. Ray was possessed at that moment, and he was basically trying to pay the 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 pool its costs, you know, for his wish in and in a way where he wouldn't lose anybody in his family. So now, you know, after we get after the fact, we find out why Ray tried to drown Ty in the pool. So after this, you know, obviously at this point the family is um, aware of what's going on. People are staying away from the pool. At one point early in the movie that the the family's cat is taken by the pool, which doesn't fucking make sense. Why was the cat taken? There was no wish granted. At first I thought, oh, the cat is going to be the payment for Ray's wish, but it wasn't. The pool continued to try to take more members of Ray's family, even after it took the cat. So I'm, I'm just sitting there like, why the fuck did it take the cat? There was no, literally no reason to kill the cat in this movie. And, You know, I've been vocal about this before. I hate when animals die in horror movies, but if there's a point to it, if there's a reason, if it advances the plot, whatever the case may be, then fine, I'm down for it. This animal death, 100% fucking pointless. It, It has no bearing on the movie other than to add another boring horror set piece to this movie. And it is a boring scene when the cats get taken. It's so fucking dull. Okay, anyway, let's get to the end of the goddamn movie now. At this point, every... Oh, go ahead. We're drowning. No, I was just going to say we're we're drowning ah. in Night Swim.
0: We need to come yes. up for air, so yeah, we're getting to the finale, folks.
2: Oh, I promise we're getting there. And actually, we're here now. So <clears throat> So basically what's happening is... At this point the pool has taken so much control of Ray that his physical appearance is changing. So his eyes are glossed over and there's these dark black like veins kind of springing out of his eyes kind of spreading on his face. So I don't know, he almost looks like uh he almost looks like Mads Mikkelsen in the first Doctor Strange movie if you guys remember the effect on his face from that movie. So it's very obvious that dad is possessed um by something. Um, so of course there's the set piece where dad is now chasing people around the house. Um, the dad isn't even speaking as the dad anymore. It's actually, it's actually speaking about Ray in the third person where it's like, well, this is what Ray wanted. This is what he wanted. And there's a cost, blah, blah, blah. So Ray is very obviously possessed by something. Um, at one point, um, the young son, Elliot thinks he hears the cat. Um, uh, what was the cat's name? Damn, the cat had like a, oh, Cider, Cider. I thought that was a cool name for a cat. Anyway, um, the boy thinks that he hears the cat meowing. Obviously, the cat's long gone, so it's the pool fucking with him. He tries to, um, it, it sounds like the cat is in a, like, floating chair, a floating seat in the pool, but you can't quite see it because it's got, like, a bucket seat, so it almost seems like the cat might be kind of buried in it. So the kid, of course, goes to the diving board, tries to reach out to get the floating – I think it's a swan. Um, and when he grabs the swan, he sees that it's empty. There's no cat there. But the instant he makes the realization that there's no cat there, the camera goes behind the the swan and sees that the our, our black figure, our familiar black figure is there – instantly pops the inflatable swan and drags the kid into the pool. At the exact same time, a, in, an invisible force of some kind is pulling the pool cover onto the pool so that it traps the boy down there. Um, eventually mom comes home after doing all of her research and, you know, speaking to, um, Rebecca's mother, blah, 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 realizes what's going on. So they decide, um, so now the daughter and the mom are there and they're trying to retract the pool cover, but obviously there's an invisible force kind of preventing them from do it, doing it. Uh, eventually they are able to open the pool cover. And basically mom tells um, Izzy, go call the police. You know, we need help. Mom dives into the pool. At the same time, as um, Izzy's running back into the house, we see a glass of water on the edge of a counter get pushed over onto the floor for no reason. There's nobody there. But then we, we see that there was a reason for it because when Izzy comes running back into the house, to call the police, she steps, she she slips on the water and then falls on the broken glass, cutting herself on a couple of spots on her hands, which is delaying her from calling the police. So this is, you know, I'll, I'll give this entity at least some credit for being mildly intelligent. It kind of knows what's going to happen, so it's preparing for it. Um, at the same time, Mom dives into the pool And she sees the uh, inflatable swan broken at the bottom of the pool. She swims down there thinking her son is going to be, like, tangled up in it. But he's not there. There's nobody there. It's just um, the inflatable. But then she looks over to the deep end of the pool while underwater, and she sees, like, a square cut off, like, cut out from the bottom of her pool, leading to a fucking gigantic abyss of just darkness. Um She swims down in there. She finally does catch up to her son, which the scene almost looks ridiculous because the kid is sinking, and Mom looks like fucking Aquaman swimming way faster than any human should be able to swim straight down, too. And she catches up to her son. She grabs him. And then as she's trying to swim back up to the surface, suddenly all the people from the pictures earlier, all the people that have been taken by the pool, all of their spirits are down there and they're grabbing her. They're trying to get her to stay, which doesn't make a lot of sense. It's like if these are victims of this entity, why are they trying to add more victims? You'd think they'd be trying to help people. Uh, But no, they're trying to pull her down. We see all the nurses, all six nurses that died. They're pulling at her feet. Finally, she's able to get away from them and swim a little bit. And then we see Rebecca. We see the spirit of Rebecca Summers, and she's actually helpful. Again, no rhyme or reason. Why is Rebecca helpful but all the other victims not helpful? She ends up throwing a a quarter that, um, that Elliot's father had drawn a smiley face on earlier in the day and said, here, go throw this in the pool, and I'll find it later. Um we we see that Rebecca has that quarter or the spirit of Rebecca and Re- and at this point mom is looking around and she can't figure out where to swim. Um by the way, at this point she's already been underwater a good four or five minutes, so this woman has amazing lungs, or she was an Olympic swimmer in a past life. I don't know, but whatever. I know we're just supposed to suspend disbelief on that, but man, these people are holding their breath a long time when they're down here. Um Like I said, Rebecca takes the quarter with the smiley face on it and throws it up in, you know, this is all underwater, by the way. So when I say she throws it up in the air, she throws it up in the water and it starts to rise. And then as mom looks at the quarter rising, then she sees the cut in the pool, you know, the cut in the ceiling to go back out into her pool. And it turns out she was going the wrong way. She was swimming down farther into the depths until Rebecca pointed out that, hey, you're going the wrong way. It's up there. So then she has to change direction and swim down. She does eventually get out of the pool. um, And, again, while all this is happening, Izzy is in the house. She gets the glass out of her hands. She goes to call the police, and her father shows up. Ray shows up. But he has the fucked up face, you know the the possessed face, if you will, and it's very obvious that it's not Ray that you know he's fucking with the uh with Izzy, he basically takes her phone and throws it across the room and says, "No, don't do that, don't call anybody, blah blah blah, you know um eventually um they they all kind of converge out in the pool area. Mom comes out of the pool with uh Elliot, he's not breathing, so she's um, performing CPR on him, and then Ray comes and attacks her, basically grabs her, uh, you know, tries to choke her, but luckily Izzy was smart enough to go to the garage and grab her father's baseball bat off the rack, go outside, and basically attack him from behind. While he's trying to attack his wife, Izzy hits him multiple times with uh, the bat. She ends up hitting him... So much in the midsection that he ends up spitting out black water and instantly um, the black veins in his face kind of dissipate and then the glossiness on his eyes disappears and his eyes look normal again. And we realize that that's him kind of spitting out. I guess guess this evil spirit comes in the form of black water because, yeah, as soon as he spits it out, we see that he's normal again. Unfortunately, as soon as he spits out the water, the sun now starts to display signs that he is possessed. Now his eyes are glossed over and he has those black veins kind of appearing um, on his face under his skin. And they're trying to take him to the hospital because, you know, obviously he almost drowned or he did drown and was revived, but the pool's basically not letting him. So every time they get farther and farther away from the pool, the kid is coughing more, he's spitting up black stuff, blah 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 blah. So finally, Ray, Wyatt <laughs> Wyatt Fucking Russell, who is no longer possessed, basically says the pool's looking for its price, it needs its cost. Why? What wish was granted? No wish was fucking granted, other than the pool spirit deciding, well, if Ray doesn't want me, I'm gonna jump into the kid. So again, why Ray says it needs a cost is beyond me. He decides to do the heroic thing and he sacrifices himself. He jumps into the pool. He swims down into the you know the the, the abyss, if you will. The square cut in the pool disappears and he is gone. And that's basically the end of the main gist of the story. Ray has sacrificed himself to save his son. As soon as Ray's body disappears into the darkness of the pool, um, Elliot then coughs up all the black water and he no longer looks possessed. And uh, basically the family decides, um, should we move or stay here? Uh, The family, it's the kids who actually say, if we move from here, Somebody else is going to go through exactly what we just went through. So maybe we shouldn't. So they decide they're not going to move. They stay at the property. But what they do is they end up covering the pool. I don't mean covering it, but covering it over permanently. They fill up the pool. Yeah, with filling sun. it in. Yeah. yeah, exactly. They fill it in. Uh, you know, we see a backhoe in the, in the backyard filling it in. And then that's the final shot of the movie. Basically, a shot from a bottom of, uh, fr- the cameras at the bottom of the pool looking up. And as the backhoe dumps uh, dirt on it, our closing credits start, and there is no post-credit scene for this one. Thank God, so I didn't have to stay for the credits. I was very happy for that. I guess and that's uh, it. that's our fucking movie. I, <laughs> I,
0: I guess chlorine chlorine doesn't mess with the uh, mystical properties of the spring water because <laughs> the other the other point you were kind of making is like, a what. What trade-off did they get that they had to sacrifice him? And two, is it, like, involuntary? Because, like, the way it was kind of set up is, like, it's not like the dad knew that, oh, this is some uh, magical spring water that is healing me. He probably just thought, oh, the water therapy is helping me. Yeah. So it's like, does the spring just kind of choose, like... I don't care. I helped you. So now you have to sacrifice because well, it's like, well, been, where's the deal actually being presented?
1: Well, wasn't the uh, original deal that he wants to return to his, he wants to, you know, to return to his career. So that would be the yes. wish right there. And then he would, I would have assumed that he probably would have figured it out under the possession where he would have figured out that that's what he wanted it to do.
2: Well, I mean, there is a throwaway line in the movie where the um, one of the entities actually says it chose him. The pool chooses who it gives wishes to. I guess it just yeah, it doesn't he, just randomly needs give them because one. he
1: there there is a sense that he does need it because he has the desire to return. So there is exactly. a like yeah, yeah yeah so there is a need for him to go back and you know he does have a point in you know wanting a wish to get better because he his condition is not letting him do what he wants to do, which is Go back to his major league career. Oh, I can help you with that. And make you better. So sure. now, where's my payment? And then you would have. I can see under the possession because he does try to kill the other teen in the pool party. Because you do see that one scene where it does fly into his mouth when he's underwater. Because yeah, under, that
2: scene, yeah, it's the pool party. Yeah, I forgot to mention that.
1: Yeah, because there is a scene where he's under he's underwater with the ch- under the chicken game, and the black water flows into his mouth. And then that's when he starts dragging the kid further into the deep end. Right. So ever yeah. since then, I, I, I could I can say that because he's under the possession, maybe he knows. And then that's how he knows to sacrifice himself at the end. But it that's still doesn't also, make
2: sense because still, you made yeah. the exact correct point. You made the point. The no wish was granted. Like, why was the cat killed? The cat was killed for no reason. No no wish yeah. was granted. It's just it decided it wanted a cat, apparently. And then um, Ray's full wish was to get better and get back to the major leagues. Again, wish not granted. So why does this pool need its payment? If no wish was granted, there is no contract. There is no agreement. At this point like now that, yeah. it's just the pool being a malevolent douchebag.
0: <laughs> yeah. Well also if it just needs to drown someone, like can't the pool do that on its own? Why does it even need to, him to do yes. it? Like or the Thank person. You. Like that brown muddy water or whatever that like enters him to possess him, like couldn't you just do that to anyone in the pool to take your sacrifice?
2: That's like, what was like, I was thinking too. It, it, I mean, um, I, I can understand why the entity would want a loved one. It would make sense. You know, you're granting this person a wish. It probably wanted, you know, one of the kids or the wife more than it wanted Ty in that scene or whatever. Because you're right. You would think the pool would be able to just take whatever it wanted. It it took Rebecca at the beginning with almost no effort. Um, and then all the other people that it took over the, over the decades and, you know, however long that pond has been there. But... It just there's just so many plot holes in this. It's you can and and you can punch even more into it when you when you really sit down and think about it. So much about this movie doesn't make sense. And yeah, it, it, yeah, and I, I get I
0: get. <laughs> I think Don explained it pretty well as far as like how the bargain aspect worked. I just think the way it was executed in the movie is kind of sloppy. But I, I but right. I get what Don is saying.
2: Oh, I agree with what Don's saying. I'm just saying no wish was granted. There was no agreement. That's the point. I mean, uh, Ray didn't wish to be healthy for a week, which is basically all he got. He got like one week of being healthy and being able to, you know, hit home runs at baseball practice and blah, blah, blah. So, but that wasn't his wish. So it's like, it's basically like the pool just decided, all right, well, fuck the rules because this family isn't cooperating. I'm just going to do it myself. And if that's the case why didn't it just take the whole damn family? It just, like I said, the movie, it sets up its world building, but then it breaks all of its own rules. And then at the end of the movie, you're just left scratching your head. Like, what the fuck was the point of all this? There's literally no point to this movie. And I'm telling you folks, if you haven't seen the short, go back and watch it. And you tell me if after watching that four minute short that you think, oh, that would be a great full length movie. Like, I don't know what the hell they saw in that short that says, oh, that's going to be – that'll be a great full-length. You know, it's not like the Lights Out short or some of the other great shorts that we've had that have turned into full-length features. The, the Night Swim short is actually fairly dull. I mean, there's not really a whole lot to it. Like Don said, it's basically the the cold open of the movie just with a couple of things changed, but – and obviously, in the cold open, you don't see anything, whereas in the short film, you do see a, you know, you see one spirit at the end of the short, blah, blah, blah. But like I said, if you got, if you got four minutes to spare, it's on YouTube. I just watched it today. Um, you tell me if that short deserved a feature, because I don't think it did, but <laughs> it's just me. And now that we actually have the feature, it just corroborates what I would have known years ago had I seen Night Swim when it first came out. Uh, the short, of course, that, yeah, this this doesn't deserve a movie. <laughs> like, wh- why would you think this deserves a movie? So, yeah, uh, bad start to 2024, but January is always synonymous for maybe not the greatest horror releases. You know, we've had this conversation before on the main show and on Fresh Cuts that sometimes January is a depository for just the garbage horror that big studios want to put out and, you know, you know, stuff like, uh, well, shit. <laughs> I don't want to say Us, because Us was a January re- uh, release, but I actually fucking love Us. But there, um, what was that, uh, The Turning? The Turning was a January movie. That sucked complete ass. Um,
0: uh, underwater was okay. Oh, no, Underwater was great.
2: I loved Underwater as a January yeah. movie. I it, Shit, it was my number one for like a couple of months into that year. Uh, also, VFW, my number one from 2020, was released at the end of January. So, so I'm almost contradicting myself, but it is kind of a known fact in, in the community that January is a depository for, as far as theatrical horror goes, not not VOD and shit like that. But, yeah, and and this movie just kind of, <laughs> oh, the uh, the Grudge remake, <laughs> that was a January release. Ugh that fucking garbage movie. The, the most recent one, the one that we all hated. <laughs> yes. <Yeah. laughs> so so hopefully it's just January well, being January, and it's not actually a telltale sign of what 2024 has coming, because there, there's multiple movies I'm very excited for. You know, obviously Robert Eggers' Nosferatu is coming. I'm I'm jazzed about that one. Um, Destroy Destroy All Neighbors is already, uh, or I think dropped today on Shudder. Looks like it's gonna be a really fun movie. I do believe that's our next episode too so there there is stuff coming out this year that that's worth getting excited about, but uh man, what a way to start the year Megan, this definitely was not
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah um so, so that's gonna wrap up our discussion on night swim so uh for everyone listening this the beginning of this year is kind of. Uh, different just because uh, we have a lot of stuff sandwiched in. We I just recently released the top 10 of 2023. It's been up for, I think, a day or two. Uh, then if you're listening to this, we recorded it like a few days after that. Technically, this... The week that you're likely listening to this, it was actually the previous week's episode based on the release date, but because we had the top ten show, our recording of this got pushed back. Mm -hmm. But then also, within a couple days of this being released, you'll probably be hearing our next episode, which is going to be on uh, the shutter release, Destroy All Neighbors, um, which we'll probably be recording within the next two or three days. So the beginning of 2024 you're gonna have like three episodes within like a two-week period we we don't normally put episodes out at that quick of a pace or pretty much like a once a week uh show it was just circumstantial that put all these episodes sandwiched together at the beginning of the year that's kind of common for january just because of when we do our top 10 show so uh that little housekeeping thing was just to the benefit of new listeners who are like holy shit (laughs) there's so many episodes but um yeah. yeah, so uh, like I said, we already know what our next episode is. It's Destroy All Neighbors, a Shutter release. I-, I saw the trailer. It looks like it has the potential to be really fun, but we'll see. I mean, you never know.
2: It's Shudder. Um, we never know. Yeah, they, I mean, Jonah Ray is in it, and for whatever it's worth, every horror movie Jonah Ray has been in has been at least partially enjoyable. Um, so I'm looking forward to it for whatever it's worth. Yeah, it looked like just
0: based on the trailer it- – saying nothing about the story characters it looks like if you're a fan of practical effects you'll at least get some value out of this at the bare minimum so that's encouraging but otherwise i don't know i haven't watched it yet i was probably gonna watch it tonight after i'm slightly or more than slightly uh intoxicated so we'll we'll see um, but hey, you guys got anything else before we get out of here? Uh, maybe what else do you guys have that's new that's
2: not the top ten show? Uh, Venom will start with you. I mean, nothing much. December was kind of a slow month for us between me being sick and just you know family responsibilities with the holidays. I know all three of us were probably a little bit busier than we normally are. Um, so no, not a lot of new stuff. Let's see. um, No More Room in Hell presents Creature Comforts. Episode 21 is still our latest episode where we looked at Godzilla Minus One, the movie we've been waiting for for a couple of years. And you can definitely tell we've been waiting for it when you listen to the episode. Um, I honestly thought it was going to be a much longer episode, but it only clocked in at about an hour and a half Our for those who don't know the creature comforts episodes are usually around an hour long. That is of course our, our creature feature podcast that Don and myself are on with another member of the no more room in hell family, Mr. Derek B who you can hear on the main show. Um, and that is a once a month podcast that we do. And like I said, our December episode was Godzilla minus one <clears throat> It's looking like our January episode is going to be Rawhead Rex. I'm waiting for my 4K to come in the mail so that I can watch all those wacky special features because uh, I haven't watched this haven- movie. Uh-huh. That's why you haven't scheduled anything. Okay. Yeah, yeah, it's on the way. It should be here in a couple of days, and then maybe this coming weekend we'll be able to do it. But, yeah, I just, you know, since there's a new 4K release with some new special features on it, I figure, you know, maybe the special features will educate me a little bit more. Um, I don't know as much about Rawhead Rex as as I'd like. I have seen it uh, a couple of times, but it's easily been over 20 years since the last time I saw it. So it's definitely going to be a refresher for me. So look out for that episode uh, sometime later in January. Uh, The main show, No More Room in Hell. We only did our Christmas uh, commentary special in December which was for the Joe Bagos movie Christmas, bloody Christmas released last year or well in 2022 now. Um, that was a fun episode. Uh, Don actually joined us for that one as well. So we had the whole uh, no more room in hell family together for that commentary. Um, I, I believe we do have our next episode planned out, but I already forgot the movies that are going to be on there. I know Don is going to be uh, joining us once again for that one, but uh um, yeah, Derek,
1: Derek uh-huh. told me. I think it's um the quartermass experiment and the Gorgon. And oh, don't I, thought quote he,
2: me on, Gorgon. I thought he said torso. Yeah, you're probably yeah, right, yeah, though. Yeah, don't hammer quote me
1: stuff. on that. I Yeah, like I said, I, I think it's hammer stuff, but don't quote me on that. I think that's the thing, but uh, it's been so long since we've had that because we yeah. haven't talked since before the holidays, so um, we probably, yeah, um, need, we're you're probably definitely, need to just... Yeah, I know I'm involved, but I, I don't remember much because right. it's been over a month and uh, we're probably going to need refreshers uh, sooner rather than later.
2: Oh, I haven't even watched the movies yet. Just I tend not to watch the main show movies until the episode starts to near. But yeah, I'm pretty sure you're right. It's the Mass Experiment. And uh, The Gorgon. I, I knew they were Hammer films. I just forgot which ones. And those both sound very familiar. So, yeah, I'm pretty sure those are the episodes, uh, the, the movies for the next episode. So, yeah, that'll be for the main show. Um, hopefully that'll come a little bit farther into January. It's now January 12th as we record this episode. Um, and I think that's everything I have. Uh, unfortunately, because of my sickness, I missed my guest spot on... Uh, Cut to the Chase, even though they had canceled Cut to the Miss, they still were going to do some episodes, some extra, like, Christmas episodes. And we had planned on doing commentaries for the first two uh, Simpsons Christmas episodes. That's uh, Season 1, Episode 1. It, for those who don't remember, the very first episode of The, of the Simpsons was a Christmas special, uh, Simpsons roasting on an open fire. And then they didn't have another Christmas episode until Season 7 with uh, Marge Be Not Proud. That's the episode when Bart steals that video game from the try and save. So we were supposed to do commentaries for those two episodes and we were going to do, we were going to make it like um, an annual thing where we would get together and do the next two Simpsons Christmas episodes until we finally ran out. Uh, But again, like I said, I caught COVID at the end of December and that just pretty much messed up all my plans that, you know, for podcasting that I had. So, other than Creature Comforts and the main show, that's about all I have. But yeah, definitely look out for more stuff from us now that the new year has passed and um, you know some of my life drama has uh, kind of passed me by. So I'll have more free time again. So yeah, look, look definitely look for more frequent episodes from the whole family, from the whole Normal Room in Hell family. You know, Creature Comforts, Fresh Cuts, the main show. Um, And maybe we'll see a resurgence of uh, watch this movie, Mike, and um, uh, Crystal Lake Gift Shop. Uh, So we'll see. Otherwise, that's it for me.
0: All right. Yeah. Um, Everything new that I have or new-ish has been mentioned as well as uh – I right. Venom pretty much summed it up. I, I really don't have anything to add to that. But, uh, yeah, once we get through kind of uh, our next recording, um, we'll from that point on, we'll likely be back to, like, our normal kind of one episode a week schedule, and then we can get in the main show, too, because we're long overdue. Well, I, we, we did do, like, the two commentary episodes for the holidays that Venom mentioned, but as far as just having, like, a regular formatted episode of the main show we're way overdue for that so hopefully we can get that out sometime in january and and uh yeah and like already mentioned don he was already <laughs> scheduled to be a guest on that one a long time ago so oh, yeah. he will be there um but other than that yeah thanks again um i've got other shit listening. too yeah I i've
1: got, got oh, shit i've got shit oh yeah too, we know. went
0: we went yeah, we went so long on that I forgot that Don didn't already do his. So go ahead, Don. <laughs> um,
1: all right. So yeah, um, real quickly I have the, um, well, the recorded and then the uh, soon to be recorded uh, appearances with the main family. Um, the recorded stuff, uh, as mentioned, is the uh, creature comforts with uh, Godzilla minus one. Fantastic movie. See it immediately. I also did the uh, Christmas commentary, Um, not much else to add there, the soon-to-be-recorded one, the main show with the supposed hammer stuff, but um, again, we'll confirm everything when that's closer for release. Uh, I have recorded a a couple of episodes for um, crossovers, uh, promotions with uh, various podcaster friends of mine which I will announce when uh, the time comes because they are, again, like I said, cross-promoted with my main show, which is the Horror Countdown Podcast. Uh, for new listeners, it's basically what it sounds like. Uh, it's a top-ten list show. We don't review movies. We don't dissect anything or, uh, you know, co- do commentaries or anything. We, um, Me and a guest every week, uh, we, me and a different guest, we pick a topic, come up with a top 10 list, and get together and talk about it. So, uh, if you're interested, uh, you can find that pretty much everywhere on uh, every podcatcher available that I know of is out there. So, uh, search for horror countdown. You'll pretty much find it, uh, quite easily. The, um, well, since we've, uh, come, gotten back, um, I've actually released, uh, three episodes. Um, the season premiere. Um, I had our friend Lacy on. We did our top ten holiday themed movies, so anything set on a holiday, New Year's, Christmas, Halloween, um, all that fun stuff. Uh, I had a, uh, another guest on. Uh, we looked at our top film each year of the 1980s, which uh, fun, but not necessarily one of my favorite episodes. I kind of, I, I, I enjoyed the discussion, but it was one where. Other issues led to us kind of going a little bit later than what I wanted to. So, um, again, it's not one of my normal episodes, but um, apologies for that. And uh, the latest episode is uh, one with a uh, writer friend that I know of. And we got together to to discuss the top 10 most unsettling horror films. So that one was a um, real real blast, real deep dive into some obscure stuff that uh, maybe you're not quite familiar with, but, um, I, I definitely enjoyed it, so, again, you can find that pretty much everywhere, the, um, you know, any podcatcher, Apple, iTunes, uh, Spotify, um, can't say Google Podcaster, um, Anchor anymore, but, uh, yeah, it's out there, so, uh, if you're inclined, go ahead and give it a listen, I've got three seasons worth of shows for you to, uh, dig in on, so, um, yeah, I guess the only other thing would be uh, just waiting on when the uh, guest spots are recorded and released. So, other than that, uh guess that's it for me.
0: All right. Yeah, okay. So, that's going to close out this episode of Fresh Cuts. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Starting off another year. Unfortunately, the movie couldn't have been better, but I'm sure we will see many better movies along the way. The next oh, twelve awesome. months, hopefully starting with the the next one we watch. But
2: uh I'm gonna ba- I'm gonna make a said, bold prediction and say that it's gonna be better than Night Swim. There's my bold prediction.
0: <laughs> yeah, I I hope it's not bold, too bold, but <laughs> um, all right, it shouldn't be
2: much of a reach. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly.
0: All right. Well, uh, we're out of here. We'll catch you probably, actually, you know, in a few days after listening to this. So let's say bye to our listeners.
2: Later. No pools, hot tubs only.
0: If the pool is haunted, difference. just don't go in it. <laughs> Peace.